0: How might we reimagine the future of education that is currently under construction? Today, I am joined by the powerful tag team of Justin Medved and Garth Nichols, co-founders of Cohort 21. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are Teaching Tomorrow. I love getting to talk with Garth and Justin. After every conversation I have with them, I'm left feeling inspired, motivated, and excited to be in the field of education. I wanted to bring these masterminds on the show today to process the changes they've made to the Cohort 21 experience, but also to give us all a dose of what we can be hopeful about in regards to the massive upheaval we're all taking part in. In our conversation, we touch on how putting yourself in front of really good questions is essential teacher learning, especially right now, why there is no going back, and what gets them through these really, really hard days. I am so grateful to welcome these two friends back to the podcast. Justin, Garth, it's been a long time since I've had you on the show, and I've never had you both at the same time, which I'm so excited about. Um, Why don't we start by you guys introducing yourselves. Garth, you can start. Do you want to just say who you are, where you're from, and what you do? And then Justin, you can do the same thing.
1: Sure thing. Uh, Garth Nichols. I am Vice Principal at Havergal College, and my title is Vice Principal of Strategic Innovation and Design.
0: Best title ever. No.
1: Justin's is the best <laughs> title.
0: I was gonna say second <laughs> This best is like of director
1: that. of teaching innovation magic and
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Justin Nevitt, York School, director of learning, innovation
2: and technology.
0: It's a- beautiful set of titles for wonderful humans such as yourself. Um, We're going to jump right in because you both are in really interesting positions to be talking about pandemic pedagogy and the state of education. So from your own perspectives and wherever you're standing right now in the world of education, describe the state of education right now.
2: So uh, I'll jump in. I think the, and, and slash you, you asked us to kind of think of some words that might describe the moment. And I, one was for me was tension. And two, this idea of pivot, um, tension, not as, you know, things are tense and, and they are obviously for everyone because there's just a lot to kind of digest, but tension insofar as we had everything quite dialed in as independent schools. Like we were tweaking. We have been quite organized. We, have a strategy we have plans we're good at all those things and now we are faced with a massive reset and not really understanding everything that we're faced with and I'm finding each day presents a brand new set of challenges brand new sets uh, having to change my mind um, what worked three weeks ago was under a, a totally different set of circumstances that no longer exist so we need to change our mind quickly undo a plan and redo a new one and so that is a a kind of state of living in an ambiguity around the direction the tools the techniques that we don't yet know are working Um, because we used to always know what worked and we had always this room to play in of like innovation but now it seems like Innovation. If we if we say innovation is this idea of creating new value to solve problems in whatever form that takes, we're, it's happening everywhere constantly, and we don't have a lot of time and space to like learn from mistakes because we're just constantly making them, and on an iterative process of like improvement.
1: So that's my high level state of the union.
0: Yeah, well said, Garth. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, so I started thinking, um, what's what are words that you use to describe? Fluid is one. Definitely, things are things are changing. Uh, and then I thought, geez, things are really exciting. And I thought, hold on a second, because they're exciting from my point of view. Um, but then, I, I, in some of my in some of my reading and stuff like that, out comes toxic positivity. So I can't be overly excited because that might come across and send the wrong message. So then I reflect on this and I start to think about just how difficult this time is. And I'm not just talking about um, teachers, I'm talking about students as well, because embroiled in all of this is really difficult conversations about what's it for, who's it for, and what's being surfaced. Um, and, And I'm talking about Black Lives Matter, I'm talking about the conversations or, or that we're having with parents about expectations and faculty about expectations. Um, so I think fluid is a really good word because mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in fluidity, there is always, you're always running up against things. You know, you're changing your path a little bit. Um, But I like to think it's exciting as well, Celeste.
0: (laughs) I think of like rapids and like water moving. It's a little dangerous. It's risky. It's, you know, you could drown in it if you're not careful, but it could also be fun if you've got the right, you know, gear on.
1: Yeah, and it's you know water carved the Grand Canyon like it's Mm -hmm. but it's constantly moving forward, and that's what I that's what I think is exciting that these conversations are happening, Um, and some people are really positive about them, some people are really challenged by them, but in all of it, I think we're moving forward.
0: And that's a great way to segue into the cohort 21 experience, because if people who are listening to this don't know you, both of you started cohort 21, which is a year long professional learning experience for teachers. Um, And we did a pretty dramatic pivot this year. Like we had to figure out like what to do with the challenges of a pandemic. I'm wondering if either of you ever thought like, do we just not do it this year? because there's something really powerful about getting together and being face-to-face. Did you actually contemplate just scrapping it this year?
1: No, no. That's too important. I I think, uh, we've talked about this before, Celeste, you know, the, uh, the, we are more powerful through our networks. We gain energy from it. I'm talking we as in all of our participants, all of our coaches, all of our facilitators, um, and our alumni. I think, um, we need as much uh, we need as much bolstering as possible. We need as much people to share with us and, and to have people to share with that it was too important to not run it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad
1: yeah and, yeah and I think that you know the wider purpose
2: and we you know and it's not a trope that when Garth and I say it's the best PD we do because part of the PD is surrounding yourself with people with the same interests, energies and passions and just by the very nature of putting ourselves you know in front of some deadlines some to-dos and you know what is you know could be considered extra ultimately mm-hmm. often and always yields all this amazing and great learning so you know as, as as uncomfortable or as difficult it might have been to reimagine to you know doing it differently it's we
1: know that the it's so worth it And the room, you know, we talk about the room, the smartest person in the room is the room. We need the room. We don't have all the answers um, and new answers pop up all the time. Every time you socialize them. And so bringing a group together who share um, challenges around how am I going to teach a a grade three class? How am I going to teach a grade 10 uh, phys ed class uh, with remote students? These are good generative conversations to have.
0: Yeah, and I feel like maybe we need it more now than ever. Like, Mm. in the way that you have, like, reframed a bit of cohort this year, like, it really feels like it's getting simpler. Like, the the, the, the expectations have been, I wouldn't say, like, they've lessened, but I feel like we've softened them a little bit. Like, we've tried to, like, put less pressure on people. And in that, in that space, I feel like, Justin, you were joking around by calling it, like, really, we just want to create group therapy for everybody. Like, just to have a space where people can process and be able to talk to people not in their school context.
2: Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I've shifted so much of my thinking around what professional learning looks like. And I honestly believe that the deepest professional learning comes from putting people in front of really good questions and just letting them talk. And that goes hard against some of our traditional approaches to professional learning that might have once been conference focused or credential focused, or, you know, kind of like tick the box. I got the, I did the thing and the hours were spent and I have this tangible kind of report. Whereas this is much deeper transformational learning that might not yield itself right away, but like whether it's the power of the network or just the, the, the planting of the seed and the permission to know you're not alone. And like all of that is such great learning that is, you know, likened to what we know and want for our students. You know, why is it any different for teachers or anything professional?
1: I agree. I would take it in a different direction as well to say that it's also the, the, the adoption of mindsets, the mindsets that we need to get through this. That's where we're really, that's where we're really focused on. Optimism, positivity to a certain degree, but also just asking good questions, being curious about other people's experience, regardless of what they teach and regardless of what grade they teach. Um, we are all coming up against similar similar issues and similar problems. So I like the idea that we are, um, yeah, we provide a, a place to share and discuss things, but in that we are building capacity for these mindsets and these different approaches that are needed more and more.
0: And that what you and Justin do really well is that you're also modeling best practices for teachers. And like, you'll do something with us as a group and then pull the curtain back a little bit and say, actually, this is what we're doing. And this is why we're doing it. So for a lot of teachers, it's like the first time that they actually have engaged in inquiry themselves okay. as a learner, or like engaged with like, a mindset where people are modeling vulnerability or modeling what to do when the technology breaks and how do you deal with all the things falling apart in front of you. And you do that so well in front of a crowd.
1: Yeah. You, you had said earlier, this idea of letting go of perfectionism. And I think we let go of that a long time ago. Um, to be honest with you, uh, we are, we talk about iteration and how we we're constantly changing things, but with every cohort 21, uh, face-to-face or large session, we always say, here's our, here's our design question, it's a how might we? And so this is how we went about getting here. These are our design principles. And I think showing that level of strategy in our thinking is really significant too.
0: So some of the major changes this year are, obviously people are all meeting virtually. The day-long sessions are cut in about half, like maybe mm-hmm. even into a third. Um, we're setting up blogs for people, but we're not putting as much expectation on how much blogging people do. And there are way more coaches. So it's about a one-to-one ratio of coach to participant. And then, I don't know, are there other major changes that I'm forgetting about? Those are yeah, the main ones. We, we have six just...
1: facilitators instead, yes, of, yeah. instead of five. Yeah.
0: So more support people. Yeah. So smaller, smaller.
1: Yeah. So a smaller cohort in the groups and we're also,
0: we kind of framed um, different kinds of learning strands for people right out of the gate. So saying there are three main strands that you might be drawn into pandemic pedagogy, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, or leading in times of crisis. Out of all of those kinds of changes that we're kind of putting in this year, you're talking a lot about iteration and how things get better every year what do you hope we keep from this pandemic version of cohort? Like if we're going to make a prediction and in five years, we're back to where we are able to talk to people in person and we can meet in large groups and there's a vaccine. What do you want to keep from this year?
2: Uh, yeah. I wonder if part of this has forced us into this space and it has allowed us to see just how, you know, how far we can push it. And so I we hadn't really needed to right uh, you know jump right into the tele you know conference video chat all of those things, and we'd always been playing in these spaces, but now we know that we can do really powerful things and create just as much engagement on this, so that means we can rethink engagement altogether um, and so that's one thing uh, two you know we we have this really amazing community that I think we now want to tap into even more um, and find ways in which we can, you know, bring out all the great stuff that's happening across all the schools. And so that's, that's something we've always tried to do, but this year, perhaps because we've are going online, we're going to try even more and, you know, to try and create conversations even beyond, you know, who's sitting in the cohort and, and tap onto experts and, you know, as Garth's kind of bringing this idea of iconic moments, we, we will seek out um, expertise from all, for, you know, all over the earth to try and inform, um, because we're not looking to have these, you know, face-to-face sessions be, the, be all of the energy in the, one, in
1: the way they once were.
0: Garth, do you want to jump in on that one?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, Justin touched on some interesting things, but we've tried things that we never would have tried before out of necessity. And um, I love this phrase, like, the antidote is in the venom itself, mm. right? And we have to go through this in order to push education ahead. That's, that's just one way of looking at it. Um, and so we can't go back. I don't think anyone is ever going to say, you know, in 1996, geez, the start of school year was so hard. You know, like we now have a new, we've leveled up, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by the antidote is in the venom it's like we have to go we actually have to go through this to get stronger to get better to crystallize some ideas around what education can and should be and where where it's going so yeah that's that's why I don't think we're we're gonna go back I don't think we can say geez these these virtual face-to-faces these iconic moments didn't work there's but to really reflect on and say what about them worked for whom did they work and for what impact what outcomes were they successful i think having that type of a lens well we'll, we won't just say yeah that was a that was an anomaly let's just go back to what we were doing and i really hope that that is applied to education as a whole
0: well what do you let's talk about education as a whole then so in terms of what you hope your school looks like or all schools look like in 10 years what are your what's on your wish list right now
1: yeah i think um we we're focusing a lot more on on d e i we're focusing a lot more on well being uh at the heart of learning like integrated into the learning um, i think that we've all we all have a greater understanding of how important that is mm-hmm.
0: yeah
2: yeah I, and i would wonder i i i wonder too we've as the relational space has been like taken away, we are, we are left now, you know, with quieter classrooms where we're noticing what happens when there isn't the density. And it's so interesting to hear the teachers with the same comments, like, you know, people aren't talking as much or at least initially, right? Like as kids kind of found this new kind of space like we had put them into groups for so long like that had been kind of two decades of how we'd have been approaching you know it, in groups they are better and collaboration mm-hmm. was the key and now we have t- basically said that is no longer possible so how are we gonna try our best to maintain that you know interactivity and collaboration without actually sitting elbow to elbow and so it you're having to you know see collaboration in new ways and and reconcile things maybe around screen time you know that we you know that is just no longer an important way of looking at things Mm -hmm. because there is valuable screen time that is completely tied to learning and then there is entertainment and those things now aren't it's not the way we should be having conversations they don't go anywhere productive Mm -hmm. when we just anchor the language around this one qualifier so i think it's having us to wreck that's a real tension that i you know see us moving quickly past uh, but it's it's a healthy one um and then i guess yeah to garth's point where i'm very optimistic about how we are now trying to really intentionally understand the well-being of the students perhaps well beyond just the anecdote and maybe how we what we think we know right like we're asking different questions we're mining data differently we're seeking it out we're uh, you know going and and really trying to uh, understand um well-being at this time from as many different places as we can to you know ensure that our kids feel safe and and kind of taken care of so you know, that's a real energy that's being directed um, and with, that, with a lot of intensity in a, in a way that just wasn't that case, uh, at least for us, you know, eight months ago.
0: Are you noticing that people are now also asking about teacher well-being in a different way, or is that just kind of getting overlooked for the sake of the student's well-being?
1: Uh, I, think there's a, I think there's a real tension in, in some of our schools around this. How hard are we asking our teachers to i'm not i 'm trying to avoid the use of the term pivot, but how hard are we asking our teachers to shift their practice? How comfortable are they with technology what's our digital literacy benchmark i mean that's and everyone's at a different level and, and that's and that 's fine. I think one of the great things that 's going to come out of this is that you know we 're going to reconcile this tension between um, between what we Want our students to be doing, and who we want them to become. The world is again this accelerated change. So, coming out on the other side of quote unquote formal education, the other side has changed, and so the the purpose of education has changed. We are going to have students who will have our educators as role models. And so faculty well-being has to be paramount because they're looking to our teachers to try and figure out, so I'm getting like a little emotional here, but they're looking to our teachers to figure out how to navigate this. Mm -hmm. They're looking to our teachers to figure out what does learning look like now, but also what does it look like as an adult? Because that's who I'm going to become. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's pretty significant. And that's why teacher well-being has to be um, deeply involved in these conversations as well. Yeah,
2: it's my biggest concern because, you know, it's a, you know, most people can do something for a month or two, but it's month eight, you know, and as, you know, independent schools that are, you know, nonprofit businesses, they need to run and they only run when they are full of teachers who can function and, and, and show up. And so that, is a is a finite resource, you know, and one that needs to be, you know, taken care of. So, yeah, the, the the upskilling that's happening right now is just at a pace that is 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 I liken to learning a foreign language and teaching in it at the same time.
0: Oh my god! Yeah,
2: <laughs> and for yeah. those people who you know didn't naturally lean into this. These platforms, these tools, and on some level, it was always kind of optional how deeply you went. Mm -hmm. That is no longer the case. You, it is now an essential expectation. And so, if that wasn't your gift, you, you, you you're now finding every day very uncomfortable, and that Mm -hmm. is really hard.
0: Well, just to bring it back to cohort too, I feel like this is why this kind of professional learning is so important because. We need, we need systems in place to help teachers adjust and feel okay and have moments to process what's going on just to like say this is this is my current present tense. What do I do about this. And I think that this is why it's so powerful what you two have created because it gives people a space to recalibrate and recharge.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I have a a great uh, teacher on faculty who asked me a very challenging question because she follows, all, you know, all the stuff that we do. And she asked, you know, you know, I'm very, very happy to see all this work, you know, going on. But what about the public school teachers? Like, how can they tap into this? And how about, you know, other teachers? And I think that had always been at the core of the ethos, you know, while we can't scale relationships infinitely, we certainly have always said everything's available, open, and all the resources and everything that we do is never behind the password. So that at the very least, you know, like Jen Barrows' post today, in, uh, talking about, you know, everyone's starting from scratch. Um if someone can find some solace in that and seeing that they're not alone, that someone else is feeling the same way, you know, they do, then I think that is a good thing.
1: Yes. And I like, I like that these blogs are coming, coming across in terms of um, our, we are being vulnerable to show our thinking and our process. This isn't um, uh, a form of, social media that is everything is so awesome here and look at all these great things that we're doing it's more like wow this is hard (laughs) here's how i'm here's how i'm barely making it through and every now and then i go for a run uh you know (laughs) or or every now and then i just have a really good book that i go to Mm -hmm. so those I think that vulnerability is quite, it, it, there's a high gravity around it. Like once that starts happening, more people share, and you start to realize that this is, you know, a long journey that we're on and it's, you know, you got to, as we said earlier, just let go of perfectionism and learn how to do your best by showing up.
0: Yeah. Be good enough. I don't know if you've heard about, um, Winnicott's- psychology like he so Winnicott was like a famous child psychologist and his whole thing was being a good enough mother which is you know something that my wife and I talk about all the time like you just have to be good enough like you don't have to be perfect you don't even have to be great you just have to be good enough and I think the good enough teacher is kind of like the mantra of 2020 pivot and good enough (laughs) yeah um okay moving on to my next question what suggestions do you have for teachers in getting through this moment?
2: It's okay to feel this tension of wanting, you know, what is healthy for your kids. And, and I'm talking very, very specifically about JK to two education right now. Wanting a kind of holistic kind of – you. You come to education and teaching those grades with a kind of general limit to how much you want them kids on the screens. But when faced with the very real, you know, the reality of maybe having six home learners for whatever reasons they are, the only way to connect them relationally to you is with technology. And so, yeah, you may all day, want them to be running in through the house, you know, the fields and all those things, of course, but you can be disappointed with that. But then also you have to recognize that that isn't for you to hold on to anymore. Mm. Uh, In fact, the kids at home and the parents who need you and who want you there don't care about that. And so you're holding onto a values. You're holding on to values that are yours and you shouldn't let go of them, but they're not actually useful right now. Mm. But I hear that coming up in conversations. And I think it's used, it's used in different ways. It's mm-hmm. used, it's used in different ways. Uh, and so I just want to, I want to, I want to kind of establish that it's okay to be disappointed with the current state of things, but then Be aware of the immense relational connection you're also providing to the families who just desperately want to be with you and connected to you. And that obviously is going to fly in the face of what you hold really important in the core of the way you think about early childhood education, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to just healthy amounts of screen and movement and all that stuff. But let's park that for a moment and just get off the ground with building habits and connections. And then, yes, as we move through the year, then we can probably start to rebalance those things. But right now, right up front, what's most important is establishing routines so kids know, especially the ones who are in class, they know what they can expect when they do and probably will go home for extended periods of time because everyone's going to get this impacted in their lives. So it's better to establish those routines now. And I think that's where I'm going with it,
0: yeah, that's really good advice, Justin, because you know we're still in emergency pandemic teaching, and that you know we can have like three columns of the way things should be, the way things could be, and then the way things have to be right now, and it's like the way things should be is all the things we know that are like best practices for pedagogy, like Reggio Emilia and Montessori and all these beautiful ideas about ECE. And then the way things could be is like, okay, if I get my like grounding and my footing really good, maybe we can get to this point by the end of the year. And then the way things have to be, it's like, we're all in rehab right now and we need to figure out how to just get our kids to be connected to us. And that you're right. It has to be with a computer. That's really good advice. For teachers
2: and that isn't to say that like we shouldn't embed snack breaks and movement breaks for all no matter where you are but the day has to very much be about opportunities to engage and I think the secret sauce is figuring out what the right amount is and the right frequencies and the right pedagogies
1: and uh, activities that translate yeah. uh, across yeah. one of the things I'm really proud of our school for doing and there's uh, ton of people who are involved in this is we had a tradition of three whole three upper school assemblies a week and we just re-examined that and said what is the purpose of these assemblies how how might they shift to serve new purposes that are required and the faculty and um directors that are in charge of this have done a wonderful job balancing these really Unique to this school, unique to our school, moments with also other programming. Then there are some people saying, "But I really want those three upper school assemblies to keep happening." But we have to let go of that. And look, we have, and look, we're we're okay. It's good enough, right? Let's just keep going.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, I like that, Justin. Thanks.
0: What about you two personally? So this is the hardest chapter in education what are some things that are getting you through the day personally?
1: Um, so for me, uh, we are on Gmail. So schedule send is mm-hmm. a huge, a huge tool for me.
0: Tell me more about that. Why is that helping?
1: Um, because I think working the, the concept of work has changed for all of us. And I think schedule send is an important element, um, to honoring, when other people, when you're expecting other people to be on, we are all uber connected. You've said before, Celeste, that we are in sort of this crisis mode and adrenaline was high. I think back to March and April and it's like constant communication as we're shifting and, and developing and creating. Um, but now we need to actually really be careful with when we are sending mm-hmm. notifications, updates, uh asking for answers. I think that's really important. So I use schedule send a lot. Yeah. And I really like that. I and I like to send it at like, I don't know, 12 minutes after the hour just to just to give that little <laughs> dose of reality except, instead of like on the hour. Yeah. Um and then with that, I would say uh um, Really valuing when you seek people out or when you ask people to gather Mm -hmm. face-to-face. If it's possible, that face-to-face is always preferred. But also take a phone call every now and then Mm because a phone call feels different. There's different ways of being on a phone than there is on Zoom uh, or or Google Meet, whichever you use. Uh, So really valuing that and being really uh, mindful of of leveraging face-to-face when you can to build those relationships. And then the last thing that gets me through the day would be making sure that I have face-to-face time with students. So whether it's when I'm on scheduled duty or whether I can take a duty for some faculty at, you know, door duty in the morning or lunch duty, uh, those types of things, but also, you know, getting involved at the level of clubs, getting involved at the level of um, uh, different student initiatives is what helps me
0: Mm -hmm. Justin, what helps you get through the day?
2: Um, Yeah, I will, I will try and seek out opportunities to not answer an email with an email, but rather, you know, in person, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to anything complicated or that I know nuance will be lost in the communication because it's just such and when and when I have to do it, then. I'm using Bitmoji as a nice icebreaker, usually two or three. In some cases, I'm only exclusively using Bitmoji, and there isn't actually even any words in the email. That has and will continue to be something I do. Um, I think um, moving between the schools, um, this year now as we – I've shifted a lot of my energy to the junior school, um, and that's brought me a lot of joy and energy as – that school needs just uh, help extra set of hands because it's never had to upskill so quickly um, and so it's going to be very it's 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 working so hard um, you know in, a, in our middle and senior um, and in all that you know CIS and CHO schools have kind of been ready for this um, in different ways obviously with the skill level of the students it just makes things so much easier but when it comes to junior schools around the world, no one was ready for this. You never had needed an LMS in grade two. Like that just wasn't. And so, right now, the best thing I can do is sit shoulder to shoulder with teachers. And I actually just get tons of joy I'm watching people, you know, making their first kind of successful document camera, you know, lesson, mm-hmm. or for the first time, they're, you know, really feeling successful by troubleshooting things four students because they hadn't ever there'd always been someone there to do that and that wasn't something they needed to kind of take on but now there just can't be enough people around so people are really having to to kind of go okay i can do this i can figure this out and so that's people are doing it and it's really awesome to see so just being i think not in my office i'm basically hoteling like you'll find me in the junior school hallway. Like, I'm just parked there. And that means someone could jump out and be ask me a question, and I'll just drop whatever I'm doing and get in there. So that's I'm, I'm very happy playing Being Nowhere and Everywhere at
1: the
0: mm. same time. I was expecting you guys to say something like hiding in a closet and eating fuzzy peaches <laughs> or going home and drinking alcohol because that's how I get through. Like, I was expecting, like, way less deep answers than what you gave. So... But what I'm hearing you say, like, just to like, you know, condense it down, I'm hearing you say, have boundaries, figure out how to take some time away and respecting other people's boundaries. And then like finding the joy in the day, finding the students, finding the things that bring you to this profession, like whether that's hanging out with kids in a club or sitting side by side with a teacher and supporting them, like both of you are so great in this profession because you know why you're here and when you can connect with that every single day you get through these crisis chapters i hope with a lot more courage and a little bit more ease i hope
2: Thanks. yeah i think I, I think that's you know I, as you just mentioned that joy you know i'll make time for interesting projects because you know that obviously serve uh, someone or a teacher or program because there's always going to be other things you know you know to do but if you don't make that time then you're you know and those 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 things that truly make me
1: happy so um yeah just trying to carve it out there is a bit of self-medication for sure um but like both justin and i have dogs And so we often find ourselves, I don't know how many, like, uh, I don't know what our average phone calls are, but uh, we, we talk often and that's, that, and that's, that's very helpful. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. To talk things through, to talk about the, the challenges, the frustrations, but also like, yeah, but we've got this coming up. So that's exciting. You know? Yeah. Um, So it helps to reframe. And I like the word that you used earlier, Celeste. I like this word of recalibrate, Mm -hmm. you know, just because things can really, begin to begin to move from a slow boil to a fast boil to over, you know, over boils. Um, so to recalibrate these challenges as opportunities, I think is really important.
0: There's, um, I'm listening to a lot of Glennon Doyle right now. And she was talking about how the word crisis, the root word is actually to sift. And like in a crisis, there's like a lot of sifting that happens. And so things that are really, really, seemed really, really important, just go away. And we all noticed that with, you know, the actual lockdown that we were all in, things sifted and you're like, oh, all of a sudden it doesn't seem important to spend money on this. But I think we're all kind of noticing that in education too. Like it's like a great shifting and sifting and upheaval and things are getting rearranged and we don't quite know where things are going to land yet, which is really unsettling. But then there, we find the joy in what we're doing. There was a question that came from the cohort uh, that I I'm, there's two that came from the group that I'm posing to you because I I want to get your thinking on it. When this is all over, I like you know thinking about the future. How do we resist just going back entirely? So you were kind of talking a little bit like we all just think groups are great and groups are the best, but maybe they're not the best for everybody. Maybe they're not the only vehicle for meaningful collaboration. So any suggestions for people to resist that temptation to just go back?
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to push back on that question because I don't think that we will see a point in time where we go back to the way that Mm. it was. I don't think we are, this is another sort of catchphrase that, that we haven't used yet, but we're teaching in a uh, you know a trauma informed curriculum and pedagogy now yeah. and i yeah. i just don't think we're going to go back yeah i, th- I think we're going to have this in our minds for a long long time and that will shape our and that's going to shape our thinking i hope we go back to you know strong relationships face to face moments all those sort of traditional iconic moments that that are shared in our schools those precious moments that we were talking about before where you can have a group and you, sh- you share in these milestone experiences. I just don't think, I just don't think the shadow of this is going to, I think the shadow of this is going to be long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I hope, and, and I hope, you know, this is my positive side, my excitings. I hope it is because this has caused us to innovate. It's caused us to think differently and it's caused us to actually say, what is best for our faculty and what is best for our students and what's best for our families. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said earlier, this notion of, you know, the world that we're graduating students into that is fundamentally shifted. Um, This shift is accelerated. And so that is forcing us, you know, if you think back down the line, we have to actually rethink what we're doing. Rethink the moments that we, the learning experiences we provide our students.
0: Yeah, that's a really important reframe, I think, because even if there's a vaccine in a year, like even just adjusting back into some reality where we don't have to wear masks and it's not like half capacity in every classroom, the slow, gradual adjustment back to a different kind of learning isn't going to happen overnight also. Like it's going to be, I assume, like a gentle trickle into something else, like Everyone won't be vaccined overnight. So like all of this, all of these infrastructures that we're putting into place right now are going to like slowly shift and change again. But you're right, it's it's not going to be we're not ever going to be able to go back.
1: Yeah, and I and we're talking about physical health, but I'm also talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. This this long shadow is going to stick with us in terms of mental health because we've been here. We've been here before and we don't want to go back. Even likening it to like flu season which happens every year in our schools we can treat that differently and we can we can say let's we can start to be proactive around that and we can institute measures that we've learned this year systems and structures that will help us maintain our physical health and so then that well how do we do that well you know we do that a number of different ways but if we're maintaining our physical health then we can maintain our mental health because then we're not you know, the sick child who's missed a week of school isn't now playing catch up for three weeks. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's what I mean. We can be proactive. We can change the game.
0: Yeah. I yeah. hope that we all are just more considerate of each other. Like just the idea of wearing a mask too. It's so generous to other people. And maybe in this paradigm, like, I, like I'm guilty of this. And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow. But I would come to school with like, a cough or a runny nose or a sneeze and I'd be like whatever I'm coughing but I'm at work I'm amazing I'm here and I think like we all need to rethink that I think we have but I think we all need to rethink that even in the future where there is a vaccine and so maybe the future that we go back to people are just going to be wearing masks when they're like you know what I have a little cough or you know what I'm going to stay home for a couple of days because I'm not feeling at my best
1: and I can teach remotely. I, right. I have, I have mm-hmm. digital, I have digital learning objects. My class can continue in a different yeah. way, but we're practiced in that way. I would also just say, you said the future we go back to.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. that, is, that is so I think we weird. should make.
1: I think we should make three movies about that. <laughs> I think that should be the title of this podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: The future we go back to. Teaching tomorrow in the future.
1: (laughs) Teaching tomorrow yesterday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. the best. Um, Okay, the other question that came from the group, and maybe, Justin, you can start in on this one. Yeah,
1: sorry, I was talking a lot there.
0: No, but I was riffing off you. It's all good. How can teachers plan anything and at the same time adapt to anything?
2: So the language I've been using now is, has been this idea of like the common denominator. So the initial steps inside I mean, and that most people naturally kind of approach this high, idea of high flex was to try and replicate uh, how it used to be with technology as an assist. So it would be where you would, you know, include as much as you could the, learn from home in the classroom conversation right and and you're left always disappointed because audio is king and not that home learner can't possibly hear in the same way all four corners of the room without like some really expensive infrastructure and stuff like that and that's just we're not all there yet with our classrooms and nor should we be because i think when i talk about the common denominator that the way you plan to a resilient and fluid in and out learner is to think of the worst case and ensure that you're ready for it and so something that we're putting in front of teachers right now is like what happens if no one shows up tomorrow how ready are your plans to meet that challenge Mm -hmm. and so you start to think about Planning differently in order to be adaptable, and so what that means sadly, or however you might look on it, which is just where we 're at where we 're at right now, is the common denominator obviously is the computer, and so it it can be a very relational vehicle in much the same way that we 're having a very intimate and like very personal conversation right now we can start to explore that space but we just have to think about maybe setting aside things that were always kind of seen as being important like does everyone have to hear from everyone
0: Mm.
2: do i is it okay that i'm not in all the conversations when everyone's talking in very small groups and i can hop around is more learning happening as opposed to me being the director of the conversation when we can only hear from one person at a time. So we're having to kind of explore things or another kind of strategy would be what opportunities present themselves when I'm giving my students resources that they are watching and responding to asynchronously. I'm getting accountability data. I'm getting all of these diagnostics. I'm having evidence of interactivity, accountability, and their learning. And then I'm using time differently to engage them on things that I can see they need because it's all in front of me in a way that was impossible other than like maybe marking a test very quickly and handing it back and then like doing, you know. So right now we're seeing different approaches to teaching and learning that i think are very healthy and you know and you talked about like you know what going back like it'll be shades of going back but i think what will have happened in the in the interim is people seeing new pedagogies and strategies tied to tools and platforms and things that now unlock much deeper and really well-informed instruction and intervention and engagement and uh, extension and differentiation all because you can do it you were just never forced to do it Mm. and now you have to and so it's that's opening up some of the most exciting as garth said and interesting uh, teaching and learning that that i've ever seen
0: yeah we've never had to all collectively been forced to change like this and you know when inquiry was like being introduced to school some teachers are doing it some were not and like you would get like kind of a very slow curve of a ship happening and it was a hard thing to get more people on board but now it's like oh no we gotta jump off the boat and create a new boat while we're all in the water
1: the only thing i would add i agree with everything justin said but the only, and the only thing i would add is that the there's opportunity for more student agency as well so that students the common denominator for us is technology, right? So, and, and students are very adept at it. And so allowing our students to, to show their learning in different ways, to seek out learning in different ways, uh, dem- demonstrate their learning in different ways, I think is another real positive um, piece to this.
0: So traditionally at the end of a podcast conversation, I usually do a ticket out the door, but I've already done a ticket out the door with both of you individually. So I won't go through all the same questions that we've done before, Um, but I want to end with one last final thought. What gives you hope right now in education?
2: Yeah, for me, um, I think uh, the the communities that I've long, you know, followed and you know been a part of there's just there's such uh amazing global sharing happening and i think i feel i've always really you know been hopeful about you know that continuing but i'm just very you know i everyone's kind of collectively working on it together and so um i i also think there's um me a rebalancing perhaps like we'll through this year it'll become very apparent just how difficult this job is and what teachers everywhere are trying to pull off and if that makes the world a little bit more f- forgiving understanding and also appreciative of the endeavor of you know teaching every you know jk all the way through to 12 i think that's i think a very healthy thing
0: i love it garth
1: I would say, what gives me hope in education is our students. Uh, so my school has all students on campus every day all day, and they are showing up and it's been awesome, and it, when I speak with our faculty, uh, the bottom line is like I love being in front I love being with my students. I love hearing them in the hallways, I love hearing them playing spike ball in the fields, you know all these different things um but that's what gives me that's what gives me a lot of hope yeah thank yeah, you
0: yeah, yeah. Let's, um, students. it's good let's have another conversation together near the end of the year because things are i mean everything's changing so rapidly would you be up for doing something like this like come um, like may like post the cohort 21 cycle near the end of the school year just to kind of like recap and ask similar questions but with a whole year behind us
1: yeah, that's a great idea i'm in
0: thank you so much for coming and sharing so much with our community it is always such a treat to get to talk to you like this
1: thanks celeste thanks justin thanks celeste thanks garth
0: see doesn't that just feel so great to listen to these two think about teaching and learning I hope that you have a little more energy to go back into your future and make it a little better, whatever that means to you right now. If you wanna stay on top of what's happening in the cohort 21 world, you can do that. It's so easy. Just follow at cohort21 on Twitter and now cohort.21 on Instagram. Justin and Garth are also very active on the socials and their handles are also linked in the show notes. And if I can just ask for one more little thing please take a hot moment and offer up a review on Apple Podcasts. There is no like or retweet button for podcasts, and it's extremely difficult to get a clear picture of what's working for you and what you would like more of or less of with the show. So if you're listening, open up the app that you're listening on and give the show a rating, and even better, let me know what works well and what could be even, even better. That's all the time we have for today. Keep putting yourself in front of those really good questions. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.